person or online. You can come to our beautiful sanctuary at 62 Barnardot Avenue, Garden City, Georgia, or you can worship with us online as we stream our services at GardenCityUMC.com. So, uh, I've got a, a confession to make. I am calling an audible. I'm not going to read the scripture that's in the bulletin, and I want you to know that it's my fault and not Debbie's, because I changed my mind at the last minute. So, uh, generally, anytime I do something that's different from what you've seen in the bulletin, it's because I messed up and not Debbie. So, just know that. <laughs> Debbie does a great job. So, uh, if you want to follow along, uh, your bulletin's no use. You'll have to turn in your pew Bibles or in the Bible you brought to John chapter 20. We're going to read verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter, the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went to the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in. And he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been laying, one at the head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I recently asked some friends to help me think of some fictional characters and stories that they knew about that had died and then come back to life in some form. And y'all, it's a long list. Here is a non-comprehensive list of some of the answers that my friends and I thought of. And, you know, just know that there's a spoiler alert for many books and movies coming up, in case you didn't know. So here are some characters that have died and then come back to life. You've got Harry Potter. You've got Aslan. In the Matrix series, you've got Neo, you've got Captain America, Superman, Will Turner, and uh, Captain Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean. 
You've got Doctor Who. You've got Oliver Queen from the show Arrow. You've got Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. Optimus Prime. You can see what kind of circles I run in. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi. Wesley from The Princess Bride. Wiley Coyote has a fatal accident pretty much every episode, but he's always back in the next time, right? Snow White from Snow White and the Seven Troyers. Uh, Ichabod Crane. Mulder from the X-Files. Spock. Uh, a number of times in Star Trek, actually. You've got Thor, you've got Jason, Michael Myers, and Freddy Krueger. All these bad guys keep getting killed off and then coming back. Robocop, shirtless Joe Jackson from the Field of Dreams. And we haven't even gotten to every soap opera where characters keep coming back somehow. The writers will kill them off and then change their minds later. By no means is this a comprehensive list. In fact, I've gotten to the point where if I'm watching a TV show or a movie and a character I like dies, my go-to first thought is, ah, eh, they're not really dead. Oh, they'll probably come back. Because death, in the stories that we consume these days, is impermanent a lot of times. Because writers like to write these big dramatic deaths for characters and then, um, and then they regret it. Maybe viewership drops off or people don't like it. And so they have to find a way to write their characters back in. It's dramatic to have someone come back from the dead and save the day. It's exciting storytelling. But I think it happens so often that we become a little bit numb to it. It's no longer the surprising shock. We expect characters and the things that we like to die sometimes and then sometimes come back. And if we're not careful, we can fall into the trap of treating the resurrection of Jesus like the, we treat any other fictional character that, we, that we dies. But the problem is, Jesus is not a fictional character. And scripture is not a fictional story. The difference here is that we believe that these things really actually happened. And y'all, this changes everything. This helps me so much to relate to what Mary Magdalene is going through here. She's not just this fictional damsel in distress in a fictional story where the rules are different. She is a real person dealing with real grief in the real world where people don't just walk out of graves. I could see how Mary Magdalene wouldn't know what in the world is going on. Why she would be so confused to show up to the tomb and have Jesus not be there. She's so consumed by grief and sorrow that when things ought to throw up some red flags for her, don't even register because she's so out of it with grief. For instance, in Scripture, most places when people see angels the first thing that they're struck with is awe and fear. The most common things that angels say, the first thing they say is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of me. But that's not what happy happens here. Mary doesn't even bat an eye. Mary encounters an angel, and she just says, hey, angel, have you seen Jesus' body? I don't know where he is. She doesn't even bother to be afraid. She just asks the angel where Jesus' body is. And you just want her to shake her and say, Mary, don't you understand what's going on? Did not the angels clue you off that something wild is happening? 
that Jesus is alive, but she just doesn't get it because she's so in her grief. And then she encounters Jesus all by himself. And she either doesn't look him in the eye, doesn't bother to, to register his face, or she has blurry vision doing all the crying, or, or maybe he is concealing his identity for her for some reason. But for whatever reason, she doesn't know who he is. She thinks he's the gardener and asks about the body again. She's so concerned with finding Christ's body. She offers to move it herself, which just shows how dedicated to Jesus she was. For a single woman to offer to carry a limp, nasty, dead body of a grown man, man, she must have really loved Jesus to be willing to do that all by herself. I just appreciate Mary in this passage so much. It's such a human thing to get consumed with our interior lives, to get consumed with what's going on in our emotions that we don't pay attention to what's going on outside of us. And to her credit, it's not like Jesus was behaving much like you would expect a resurrected Savior to behave. I think she probably figured if Jesus was going to rise from the dead, I probably would have noticed it, right? Think about this. This resurrection, if, it's, if the implications are true, is the most important thing that ever happened in human history. Jesus Christ single-handedly defeated death. He conquered sin. He proved once and for all that he was the true king and then he's about to rise again into heaven to offer eternal life to everyone who believes. The impact and the importance of this resurrection just can't be overstated. Think of all of the things that would be different if there was no resurrection of the dead. There would be no apostles. There would be no New Testament. There would be no church. Think of how influential the church has been throughout history. We would not be here today. We probably wouldn't have civilization as we know it if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead. Jesus had just accomplished something huge and historic and monumental and here he was standing in front of her dressed like a common gardener as if nothing special was going on. And I could see why she wouldn't expect that. Now, if it was me, I might have come back from the dead a little bit differently. If I had just accomplished the single greatest act in human history, I might be tempted to make a little bit of a spectacle of it. You know, I might be tempted to run up to Pilate and say, Booyah, I told you so. I was the king of the Jews. I might go to the, the, the temple and get in these religious leaders' faces and say, Check out these holes. You can't kill me, haha. <laughs> you know how in baseball games, when a player comes up to bat in the in the big leagues, they have like his walk-up music, or a pro wrestler comes on TV and they'll play all this hype music to get the crowd going. Um, you know, like I've never watched pro wrestling in my life, but I know that when I hear bump ba dum bum, John Cena's about to come on. It's just part of the, you know, it's just part of the thing. Or I think about Apollo Creed in the Rocky movie. Uh, when he's about to go fight the, the Russian boxer in Rocky IV, and he's, and he's coming out, and he's coming to America. And it's just so, so great. 
I think if I was about to defeat death and sin, I might have come back to a little bit of hype music. I think I might have shown up on the scene and, you know, busted out of the grave and said, here I come, look at me, I defeated death, hooray! And I'd rub the Pharisees' noses in it. I'd make sure that every, after everything I'd been through, after all the pain and suffering and humiliation, I'd make sure everybody knew what I'd accomplished. That's if I was coming back from the dead to defeat sin and death. But, you know, that's just not the character of Jesus. Jesus' character is that he was a humble man through and through. He was born that humble birth in a manger. He lived a humble life as an itinerant preacher. And he died a humble death on the cross. And he even raised from the dead in a humble resurrection. He didn't need a big flashy entrance. He didn't need a smoke machine. He just showed up in front of Mary with no hype, with no fanfare. Even the angels that were with him kind of seemed like they're on break. He was dressed like a gardener. I think maybe Mary didn't recognize Jesus because she did not expect a resurrected Savior to have the time to show up and to call her by name. Surely, if Jesus had just defeated sin and death, he had bigger, more important things to do at this point, right? Surely, he had to go and prove all these people wrong. Surely, he had some glory to revel in, right? Why does he have time to hang out in the garden and just have a chat with Mary? But it's the character of Jesus. Jesus is love, and Jesus loved Mary. So he showed up to Mary outside of the tomb and he called her by name. In his moment of greatest glory, there's nothing he would rather do than share an intimate moment of comfort and consolation with his follower and his friend. And then give her the word to take back to the rest of them. To tell her not to get used to having him here physically because he was about to ascend, but Right here, right now, while he can, he called her by name and shared a moment with her. You know, it's funny, these other two, pass, uh, uh, these other two apostles, the other two disciples in this passage, right before this all went on, you know, they went to the tomb, saw it was empty, believed that it was empty, and then went back without ever seeing Jesus, without ever encountering Jesus. And I think sometimes that's a great metaphor for what we do at Easter time. We come to church, we praise God, we believe in the empty tomb, and then we leave, but we don't ever experience firsthand the risen Savior. We don't encounter the one who rose from the tomb. Mary stuck around and wept and sought until she found him. And the good news of the gospel for you and me this morning is that Jesus is alive. Death couldn't defeat him. Satan couldn't stop him. He is alive today. 
and he has not stopped calling our names. The Lord who has the whole world in his hands, who is sovereign above everything and everyone, desires a close personal relationship with you. He wants you. He knows your name and he calls you by your name. Even when we're so caught up in our own heads that we don't recognize his voice when we hear it. Even when we're in the midst of mourning or crying or stress or distraction or whatever else the world can throw at us. Jesus is here. He is calling your name and he wants to spend time with you. He's not too busy for you. He's not too prestigious for you. All he wants is to be with you. Easter reminds us that we serve a Savior who's alive and well. And nothing, not death, not sin, not anything that Satan could throw at him could stop him from loving you. So the question for all of us today is how will we respond? Today I pray that we will hear him calling our names, that we will look up and see his face and respond by trusting him with our whole lives. I don't know where you are today with the Lord. Maybe you've never trusted Jesus like this before. Maybe you've never fully returned that love. Maybe you've held back for some reason or another. Maybe you've thought of the resurrection as a nice story or a metaphor, but didn't believe that it could actually happen. Well, today I'm here to tell you that it actually happened. Jesus rose from the dead, and he wants to share that victory over death with you. Death does not have to have the last word in your story. If we follow him, if we believe him, if we commit to him, then we will have a resurrection to look forward to, just like his, and an eternal life full of love and life and closeness with Jesus in a restored creation. But most importantly, you will have a Savior who desires you, who calls you by name, and invites you to respond to him. Today's the day, if you do not have an intimate relationship with Jesus, to know how much he loves you and to begin to love him back. Today, if you've never heard it, hear Jesus call your name and respond in love. Let's go to God in prayer. Jesus, we worship your name because you had the power over sin and death. That your resurrection was real. And as numb as we can get to the idea of it, God, I pray that we never lose our amazement and our astonishment that you defeated death. Jesus, you could have done so many things after you rose from the dead, but you spent the time with Mary. You called her by name. And you showed her that you loved her. Jesus, I pray that we will not let this Easter go by believing in a resurrection without encountering the resurrected Savior. I pray today we will leave believing 
that your resurrection was real, that you have called our name, and that we have responded to you in faith. Give us grace today, Lord, to follow you. In your name I pray. Amen.